Support our programming at patreon.com slash rebelforceradio. Become a patron, and your contributions can help unlock bonus shows from RFR, online hangouts with the Rebel Force Radio crew, and more. Say it loud and say it proud. Support Rebel Force Radio. Click on the Patreon banner at rebelforceradio.com or visit patreon.com slash rebelforceradio. Rebel Force Radio is brought to you in part by Little Debbie Snacks, bakers of all galactic goodness, like mini donuts, star crunch, cosmic cupcakes, cosmic brownies, nutty bars, and much more. Little Debbie, official snack of Rebel Force Radio and fans around the galaxy. From Tops comes the all-new digital card collecting app, Star Wars Card Trader. For the first time ever, collect and trade everything from legendary 1977 Star Wars cards to new cards featuring exclusive content from Star Wars Episode 7: The Force Awakens, all from the comfort of your mobile device. Star Wars Card Trader. These are the cards you're looking for. Rebel Force Radio presents... This is Master Obi-Wan Kenobi. I regret to report that both our Jedi Order and the Republic have fallen. This is Star Wars Rebels Declassified. I like the sound of that. A roundtable discussion about Star Wars Rebels. Pretty gutsy move, kid. I am the Inquisitor. Or busted. Chopper, get us out of here. Now it's time for Star Wars Rebels Declassified. Well, I tell you, it's been a long, long summer, but it feels great to be back with you here on Rebel Force Radio, Rebels Declassified, getting ready to break down a whole new season of Star Wars Rebels, season three. I can't believe that we're at season three already. It just seems like yesterday we were talking about season three of the Clone Wars. Yes. Now we're back. Season three of Star Wars Rebels, and they started off with quite a bang in uh, customary form now, it seems like, starting off with a one hour, what they kind of called it. I think they started out calling this the movie of the week, one hour television movie, um, which I believe... uh, uh, is is still considered the the first episode, so it's not like they combined two episodes. Uh, so we'll be breaking down steps into shadow, and we have assembled the regular cast of characters here, uh, starting with uh, my good friend and yours back for another season of Star Wars Rebels from Chicago, Jimmy Mack. Hey, Jason. Hey, Star Wars fans, back with Rebels. Oh my God! Somebody uh, reached out to me online, and they're like, "Hey, Jimmy, y'all set for?" Star Wars Rebels to kick off season three, and I was like, "No, I'm still, I'm still trying to get caught up with the Force Awakens." But yeah, okay, fine. Let's bring in Star Wars Rebels. What an amazing season finale from season two. So, no, of course I've been, I've been, uh, I've been marking off the days until season three kicks in. And uh, I like Jason how you drew the connection to. Uh, God, just it seems like not so long ago we were talking about season three of the Clone Wars. And if I remember correctly, season three of the Clone Wars started out. The first half was 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 rather slow, but the second half kicked in mm-hmm. and we got some of the greatest Star Wars storytelling, in my opinion, ever put out there, including the Mortis trilogy, of course, right. the much uh, the much loved Mortis trilogy. So what kind of Mortis moments? Can we expect 
in season three of Rebels. Maybe we got some in the first episode. I don't know, but I, I, I'm sure I'll, I'll find out as we move on with this discussion. So happy to be back. Looking forward to talking about Steps in the Shadow. And I'm also happy to have uh, our third wheel here, and I mean that with all the love. <laughs> Truly, uh, here on uh, Declassified, our pal Spencer Brinkerhoff the Third. Welcome, sir. He brings his own sound effects. He's a cheap date here. <laughs> yes, and a third wheel. A cheap date and a third wheel. Thank you. I am thrilled to be back talking Star Wars Rebels. It seems like it's been way too long, and there's yeah. so much to talk about. I Thanks for having me, guys. Oh, no, it's our pleasure. And we may be joined by a fourth wheel here shortly. We don't know. We might have a, a surprise visitor. I'm getting uh, furious texts, so uh, we're trying to make it work. Um, but at any rate, that won't slow us down. We're going to get right into it here. Uh, give you the tale of the tape, if I could. Again, we're talking about season three, uh, the first episode, and uh, directed by a uh, a whole team here: Bosco Ng, uh, Mel Zwire, and Justin Ridge, who was recently and officially named uh, the new supervising director of Clone Wars. Uh, Dave Filoni uh, still being very much a part of the program, the, the show. Coming up on the uh, the flagship show, Rebel Force Radio, the weekly show, we have an interview with Dave Filoni, and he sort of sets the record straight about those title changes as he uh, assumes the executive producer role on the uh, on the program. Written by Stephen Melching, Matt Miknovitz, and just an all star cast. I mean, uh, incredible lineup of actors. It, it, it seems as though, and 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 I asked Dave about this in the interview that the cast has really expanded. I mean, I, I remember when it, it seemed. Uh, in those initial first few episodes of the first season that you would hear the sort of um, you know, the same voice, you know, popping up yeah. here and there. And they would just do a little, uh, you know, audio uh, treatment to it. And but you could kind of tell it was the same actor. Now you've just got this 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 huge palette of voices uh, from Tom Baker uh, in this episode. Lars Mickelson, of course, is uh, as Grand Admiral Thrawn. And it was so great to hear Nika Futterman's. Uh, voice uh, come back, and uh, of course Jim Cummings as uh, as Honda Onaka. And um, by the way, there is a great a little viral video uh, that's gone around. I don't know how old this thing is, but it's of Jim Cummings doing all of his beloved characters. It's a little video you can find it on YouTube. Just look up Jim Cummings, and you'll see it. And he's just doing, uh, you know, he's done Disney characters for so long. It's just amazing. Just goes boom, 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 right into the other. So so great to have him in Star Wars. Um, but I wanted to ask you guys, um, I mean, it, it really, it starts off, oh, by the way, original air date on this was September 24th, 2016, uh, and, but that follows the June, or excuse me, July 16th, 2016 screening at Celebration Europe. So there's, a, there's quite a few people that have already seen this episode, and I, you know what, I got to give you all a hand because there were no yes. spoilers. Thank you. So, well done, well done. Yeah, so all of you that were at Celebration Europe... Um, did a great job, and and you know it's stuff like that that's going to keep those special moments happening at Star Wars celebrations because uh, you know Disney and Lucasfilm know that they can trust us fans to um, you know keep it special and keep it to be a big moment when everybody enjoys it. But anyway, guys, I wanted to ask you: Do you get any sense of how much time has elapsed from the end of season two to the beginning 
of season three because, I mean, we got to talk about, obviously, I mean, right out of the, 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 the gate here, uh, Ezra's transformation is just incredible to behold. Uh, and it's very dramatic. And so, so what do you think, Jim, is a reasonable um, amount of time that we think may have elapsed uh, between the two seasons? All right. Well, according to StarWars.com, it was six months. <laughs> really? Yeah. So that's what I'm going to guess. Six I months. thought you. I thought we were going to assume maybe a year. Uh, six months. Yes. What kind of hormones are raging through that kid? Uh, it's space. He's, six months. Could be a year. But um, holocron hormones. It does appear that all of the main characters. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> He's too close to the holocron. It's having effects on him physically. Uh, um, all of the character models have received upgrades of sorts. Uh, they, they, they all have uh, slightly different looks. Nothing too outrageous. Somebody posted online, you know what would help the crew of the ghost? What would help them avoid the Empire more than anything in the world? Change your clothes every once in a while. <laughs> but, uh, no, they, they were, you know, they were uniforms, and and uh, once they're on, they're on. Apparently, yeah. But um, but you do see minor modifications to each of the characters. Some some a little more, some a little less. Yeah. Um, Hera probably being the least of all. The the most major upgrades coming to definitely Ezra and Kanan. Yes. My son was asking me this. Why change Ezra's look? Why make him look different? I said, well, you know what, son? I think a lot of people who were critical about Ezra's appearance were drawing connections to Disney's Aladdin. And so maybe that's something they want to move I away don't know. from. I, 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 think it, I think it was a lot more about showing the, the, the character age. Absolutely. Well, that's the, the most practical. And the mop top isn't going to work, right? When he's flipping yeah, around. How do, you, how, how do you take him seriously? Mm-hmm. When he looks that way, because he did still look like a kid. My only problem is that he it's it's such a nondescript look for him. I, I don't even know how to describe that haircut other than he's got a sweet, curious George going on. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking that he's very minimalistic now. I mean, yeah. he's he's stripped away a lot of those other elements about his identity and he's focused so much he's not messing with his hair there's no gel there's no mousse <laughs> there's no blowing in the wind there he's just down to business but the bright the orange thing, jumpsuit still flies yeah so right, i you know right. um, but the other thing that you can see in this change is he he looks he he dips his head down a lot and then looks up you know he's got the he's got the dark brooding like pose down yeah, I, I, I kind of wonder, guys, if, if they haven't, and that's a really good observation, Spencer, is that he's kind of, um, it's this sort of almost uh, clean palette or this, this very empty, you can kind of draw anything on him. You know, he can look dark, he can look, you know, you, you kind of can pin whatever you want. If, if you're th- sitting there thinking that this guy's really going to the dark side, you can make that case. If, if you're sitting there like my eight-year-old daughter was and still see, he, see him as, you know, the same Ezra as we've been watching, you know, you can see that version too. So the character is a little nondescript, and I wonder if that's just so you can sort of read into it what you want. Possibly. Um, yeah, because there's no 
overt changes to his wardrobe. Like he's not dressed all in black now, right? right, yeah, right. Which would give us this obvious indication. Oh my God, he's completely colorless. He's soulless. He's evil. No, not not quite. He's still he's still uh, you know sporting the orange jumpsuit. Mm-hmm. Um, looks taller with, too. And, and, it looks taller. And definitely and, looks taller. And how awesome it is to have Hondo show up and give us a short rundown of the changes in the characters. Ah, purple guy, Mando girl, and Ezra Bridger. Look how you've grown. Yeah, yeah, right, right. A little exposition. Thank you, Hondo. Yeah, well, you know, I I think that, uh, you know, having Hondo kick off the season, it's a great one. He's always such a welcome, at least for me, He's always such a welcome character, and uh, you know I, I think what he does in this episode, and has done, uh, you know, in the past, is adds that little bit of humor that you need to really, uh, if you honestly, if you take out Hondo uh, of this episode, it's pretty darn dark. Yeah, uh, I, I thought that the uh, the scene with uh, you know the uh, the ATST. At least that's what I call it. Is the ATST right, or is it? Is it? Is it some derivative? It's an ATDP. That's correct. It, oh, it is a derivative. It is one of those derivatives. Okay, uh, it's like the iPhone Seven, right? It looks just like the <laughs> iPhone Six, except uh, on the ATDP, there's no headphone jack. I think that's what. So uh, anyway, so in that scene, which is done so so well. Um, I felt it, and, and maybe it was, I mean, was it just me, Spencer, or did you feel that, uh, Ezra was crossing a line there? Totally. He, he was, but why I think that, well, he did what he had to do, well, right? He, yes and no. So this is, this is my observation as we started. So first off, the title of this episode is steps into shadow, right? So I think that what we're talking about here with this title is I get two things out of it. Number one you know, that's probably the most obvious is Ezra is stepping into the shadow. He's using the Sith holocron, which we've established can only be opened by someone who is acknowledging or going into sort of the dark side. He's using that to better himself because Kanan is blaming himself and has completely become a recluse. He's left everyone else and he's just sort of like trying to find himself in his blindness. The other thing that I get from the steps into the shadow is that feeling of shadows of the empire. And, uh, and while that's a different um, expanded universe story, it, it's fun that we get other expanded universe characters that are coming into, you know, our Star Wars rebels. And a quick shout out, Shadows of the Empire cover artist Hugh Fleming and penciler Killian Plunkett. So, you know, anyway, I had fun thinking about shadows and step into the shadows. But Ezra at the beginning of this episode is completely in touch with the dark side. When the stormtroopers first come around the corner, he pulls out his gun, first shot, boom, troopers down. He killed him. You know, unless that armor is, you know, not pierced. Too strong for blasters? Yeah, too strong for blasters. But then it's just one right after another. He is efficient. He is... um, heartless ruthless and the, right it, ruthless yeah. and the the action of like using the force and his hand extended and then gripping and i mean it the timing the cutting between the scenes ru- 
Ezra is a new character in this. And then we get, we get the other character saying, wow, when did Canaan teach you how to do that? And Canaan is gone. Canaan has yeah. abandoned Ezra, and Ezra's reply is, he didn't. Yeah, yeah. obviously he's saying he learned it from the Sith holocron. So he's totally tapping into the dark side. The reason I don't think that Sabine was taken aback by any consideration of seeing Ezra using the dark side, I don't think that came into the equation. She was just shocked at the display of power. She'd never seen anything like that come from him especially and when he does reveal that Kanan didn't teach him that you know he's using the dark side tapping into the, the teachings of the Sith holocron and that's why I'd like to point out what I consider to be a glaring error on StarWars.com in their rundown of this episode in the uh, Steps in the Shadow episode gallery at that scene uh, they have a it freeze framed as we're reaching out with the force head down eyes closed and it reads their way out blocked Ezra displays an impressive and unsettling use of the force using a Jedi mind trick. He manipulates the Imperial combat driver behind the ATDP's controls to methodically blast stormtroopers. They refer to it as a Jedi. Well, that's exactly mind what tr- it is. That's exactly what it is. What are you going to call I it? A Sith mind trick? Absolutely it is. Oh, no, it's not. No, it's That's not. That's a way of... He is revealing to her, essentially, if Kanan no didn't teach him... How is there no such thing? How could you say there's no such thing? When have you seen a Sith use the Jedi mind trick? Listen to me. <laughs> hey, wait, wait, wait. wait. He well, says to her that Kanan did not teach him that... Skill. Well, so I think did? what they're How talking about. No. Okay, wait a minute. You just wait picked minute, it up? No, 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 no. I no. I think that they know look, they know it's a Jedi mind trick because later you hear Zeb say, uh well, you used a Jedi mind trick. And and so that they knew that it was like, wow, when did Kanan teach you to uh you know get an ATDP driver to you know fall off a cliff? And blow up his own troops. Um, but I, I'm with you, Jim, halfway. But 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 before we uh, de- uh, d- go too far off of that cliff, <laughs> I want to bring on our uh, our fourth wheel, our fourth panelist, who his time is 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 very precious, and he carves some <laughs> out for us. Uh, so in between diapers and, and 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 spit up and all of that, we've got Mr. Mom himself and <laughs> filmmaker and producer Kyle Newman. I don't know if that's exactly how he wanted the intro to go down, but he's a proud dad, man. He wears that spit up well. I got to do it all. You know what? I'm here to drive you guys off the cliff. Let's go. <laughs> nice. Let's so, go. All right. So, Kyle, you know where we're at in this discussion is 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 Ezra's evolution, and uh, uh, Jim revealed that uh, they're they've gone on record with this is six months post um, uh, the, the end of uh, season two. And so Ezra's transformation is, is quite dramatic. Um, is the Sith holocron, do you feel that his use of the Sith holocron is enough to explain, you know, his, his rapid growth? Yes, because it's quicker and easier. Uh, so I think he, he, has, he has a pull to do certain things. And what the Jedis teach you is restraint or patience or when to use it, not just when you want to, but when is is appropriate uh, for a greater 
purpose. And with without him in the picture and with a secret source of education, floodgates are open. So he's doing things that he already maybe thought he could do, but was finally, uh, you know, allowed to do or in his mind is allowed to do because why not now? I can. See how easy it was? I always knew I could, but now I can. It's that easy. What am I holding myself back for? So I think part of it is he he is held back. A lot of it is by Kanan's fears. And we look right in the middle of this episode. What's this about? Whose fear is it? Kanan misplaces it until he realizes it's his own fear. And a lot of that fear is what's preventing him from being like a really open teacher, a balanced teacher, because he brings so much baggage to the role of teacher from his own inexperience and, you know, just lack of as a, as an actual Jedi, you know? So, I mean, I think it's totally within reason that Ezra can do these things quickly. Um, I like that. I like that the show's jumping forward. I like that, you know, in a Star Wars movie, you jump ahead um, every time, except for episode eight, apparently. But um, <laughs> that's something you just do in Star Wars. It's uh-huh. the episodic nature of it. That's why they're called episodes. You know, they jump forward. And um, it's cool. Well, I mean, you know, I mean, you gotta, you know, the the... the the evolution of Luke between uh, Empire and Jedi is pretty astonishing, you know, just from a confidence level and what he does in Jabba's palace. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, huge. So he went and bought new robes. Something else that we get to explore, though, through Rebels is the force, the light side, the dark side, mm-hmm. and how wonderful that the Bendu shows up and says, Ashlan Bogan, I'm the Bendu in the middle. So we get to talk about this. What is the light side of the force? What is the dark side of the force? What is the middle? What is balance? And and is Ezra using a Jedi mind trick or is he just using the force that he's mm. learned through the dark side or an easier side? We never really talk about the light side of the force. We just always call it the force. Right. So, I mean, this idea that we're now dealing in an era that we have, you know, a unqualified Jedi Master, who's now been knighted, you know, Kanan's now been knighted in the end of last season, but we have this this guy who's never been through the, the normal sort of like training to become a Jedi Master, is now teaching an apprentice in the same way that Luke was sort of like had an open sort of agenda. He could kind of pick and pull different elements of the Force to create his own Bendu, his own like balance. And so there are some things that we are dark side, light side, or are we somewhere in the middle? So I have issues. Using, I have I, issues. It's, it's t- totally <laughs> debatable. I mean, it's a big, big question. I have issues because my issues are this. During the prequel era, the Jedi didn't consider any sort of middle ground between light side and dark side when it came to balance of the force. The balance of the force was achievable only by conceiving fully light side aspects the eradication of the dark right there the eradication eradication of the dark side eradication in prequel era eradication of the dark side meant the force was in balance the reason the force was out of balance by the time the prequel era begins is because the sith are clearly on the rise in the galaxy and blowing off everything now in this era here where we're dealing with Sith rule, we're also dealing with force powers diminishing on a a massive scale. And that is light side of the force because that is really the only force. So when you talk about the force awakens in the sequel era, you're talking about 
I've always been led to believe the return of the light side, the rebirth of the light side. This whole concept that the force is imbalanced by some middle ground represented by a big giant moose living underground <laughs> is a concept that I am going to have to study and try to become accustomed to because there's going to have to be some sort of explanation for this because it's definitely going off the road of what Wouldn't we've led agree? to been believe. The Jedi what the were is. wrong about the prophecy. Yes, yes, the, the Jedi the were flawed. were an imbalancing factor, but the Jedi themselves, who thought the Force was flowing through them or over them gently like a stream, didn't realize that there was an, they were imposing an imbalance on the, on the galactic scale. Not as much as, say, the Sith, but the fulfillment of a pros- prophecy meant basically the elimination and the balance of both, you know, to the point where just apexes with Luke. And, you know, hopefully he just is... A single entity lets it go clean. But George has always played with these ideas of other cultures, other interpretations. And that's what ever since the first film in 1977, it's it's been black and white. But ever since then, it's been chiaroscuro. It's just totally this um, every scale of gray. You've got the Jar Jar Binks's girlfriend doing her thing on that planet <laughs> on season six. You've got all these other types of people that use it, Night Sisters, there's different interpretations, there's different sects. Yeah. Even within the Jedi and Sith, prior there were, it was probably, there were probably more of a a prismatic feel to it um, Mm. before it became unhealthy to have a grayscale. And then it got recalibrated into something very light and very dark. And I think the Jedi's identity was formed by the Sith being one shade of darkness that the Jedi polarized it and had to do something else. And that largely became the modern Jedi. And I love, Bendu is the coolest character. I love that guy. I think it's awesome to have like Montgomery Moose sitting there. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, tall. and Tom Baker um, being the voice helped infinitely. No, yeah, he's fantastic. Cool. He yes. was amazing in this episode. But I, Love I, think, it. I, I think it's believable. I, I mean, I like the grayscale of it. I always think the force is more nuanced. I think the one-dimensional approach that most people, I think, that don't really grasp Star Wars is, well, it's got to be light or dark. That's it. You know, I really don't feel like just Now, because- wait a minute. Wait, you cannot call that a one-dimensional approach that people who don't understand. I, I, Kyle, it, it, I just said that. George Lucas has... <laughs> no, I know. You're wrapping your... You understand it. You know, I'm wrapping watched- myself up in the prequel era, and I said that many times. But, I mean, it's what I'm saying... Is the is new Luke it's, it's a new concept that. that I am struggling to grasp just via this one episode. But well, th- you're go- talking about one character here. Like I'm talking about just in general. You know, and you've watched every episode of Rebels and Clone Wars so far. You've read tons of stuff. You know that the George Lucas universe and even the accepted canon doesn't just have one way or another. I mean, there was that series of books where they go to like Plo Koon's planet and Luke and what was it? The one where they get banished for nine books. Cause they're like, well, what can we do for nine books? We're like, let's banish him to another planet. Every, every book. What was True, that? One? But I mean, none of that stuff comes they into play now. Different types of force wielders and users. I know, I know, but a lot of that stuff's well, been swept under the carpet and we are dealing with a new ground zero here with Star Wars storytelling. So right. I think it's important that we we all find our way through this together 
and not, you know, lean on past experiences with the expanded universe, which has been determined. No canon. It's, it's definitely some I'm, I'm glad that uh, Spencer and Kyle and, and, and Jimmy, I'm glad you guys brought this up. It's, it's a much larger conversation about the the expansion of the force in terms of the different types like you know as kyle put it the different sects you know whether it's the the, the night sisters what is this token uh, now sure right not and, a gentle then, so and and did you notice that when kanan met bendu he said you're a force user he didn't say you're a jedi he didn't say you're a sith uh so you know we're we're now being introduced to that as an accepted concept and and you know you also have uh, uh, Pablo Hidalgo tweeting that uh, you know, hey, um, Han Solo may have had force abilities. We're what? now, yes, yes, oh yes. But he was from one side of the planet, one side of the galaxy to the other. Yeah, and he'd never seen anything. Well, that was before he did that hip shot on that stormtrooper in uh, and Force Awakens um, with the blaster. But the, the, we're we're getting back to. Um, a little bit more of that time period where we all believed that any of us, if we met Yoda or if we met Ben Kenobi, we too could study and learn the ways of the Force. It was something to be learned, not something necessarily to be born with. Um, So they're kind of walking that back. So between that and between, you know, all of these different types of Force users and Force abilities... Uh, there is this this much larger view of the force, and I just kind of want to put it out to you guys before we we, we move on because we got to talk about some of the other things in this episode. Is that a good thing or a bad thing for Star Wars, Spencer? A good thing or a bad thing? Good thing, good thing, good thing. Um, we started the episode speaking briefly about the Mortis trilogy, and we talked about the father, the son, and and the and the brother, the father, the brother, and the daughter there, and then. We see in this episode, we have the, how do you say that bird? Con- convore? Convore? Convery? Convery, yeah, I think so. Yeah, convery. yeah, Convery, yeah, because it's named so after convery, uh, D- Dave's Dave's, wife, right? Dave's wife, wife, yeah. yeah. So the Convery shows up, which, uh, you know, in, in my head canon, I don't think we're, we're all set with this yet, that that is a symbol of the daughter. And so there is this leading, this continuation, this. So there is a broader world out there and a broader sort of like force. And I think it's wonderful that we're getting to explore that. The other thing that I'm seeing is that we're really, you know, I think David's mentioned that the idea behind uh, the end of last season was to clear all of the red blades, to clear out the plate so that we're getting closer and closer to the Battle of Yavin. I think we're about two years away from that now. And as a result, we're getting different characters to come in and the force is getting to be a different entity. Dave had finished off season three, gotten rid of all of the red blades. We're thinning out the universe of all of the um, force wielders. And now the force is growing into a different entity. Yes, I think it is. Jason, I think it's totally growing into something different. And so I'm struggling with, because I still deal with the dogmatic views of the Jedi, you know, I'm yes. like, I'm like that guy. <laughs> uh-huh. I am stuck in the past, and um, 
like what Kyle said, I believe that the Jedi were flawed, but that's what we know. And that's what I've come to assume the balance of the force is all about balance toward one side exclusively, the light side exclusively, the dark side of the force is non-existent. It's unnatural, according to the Jedi of the prequel era, the Jedi at the end of the old Republic days, they may have had it wrong. You know, I mean, it's all left so open-ended. Mace Windu talking to Yoda. And Yoda responds, perhaps misread the prophecy was. And Mace is like, oh, geez, we're in it now. Yeah, and, yeah, well, now, now everything's up for grabs. Maybe we're just seeing that being expanded upon now. The, the question I had, and, and um, unfortunately, I just, we just got word we, we lost Kyle. So uh, we'll have to fi- find out from Kyle what, what, what he thinks about this. But in a nutshell, Jim... This expansion of the force, just in terms of the different types of force users, force wielders, is that a good thing or a bad thing for Star Wars? I, I, my, my guess is that you're going to say that it's not a good thing. Force wielders, force users, force Whitaker. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I am Jason, you you know me too well, and you know that I am very comfortable within my definition of what the balance of the force is all about. However, keep in mind, it's something that was never fully defined. It was it was always left open to interpretation. And thus, I think it's also open towards evolution. <laughs> evolution and i think that's an important thing as we move forward with star wars is not to rest on our laurels not to be tied down to what we believe to be true and again i mean sure i was joking when i was quoting palpatine you know saying oh you know the dogmatic view of the jedi is what's saying but you know what he does kind of maybe speak for us as an audience maybe we shouldn't rely on what we knew the Jedi to believe was right or wrong because like what kyle said before he split was that the Jedi were flawed in the prequel era. And so we're only understanding the force from their perspective from that particular time. And now with the expansion of the saga on a whole, with it going into animation in one way, with it going into feature films in a different way, we're going to have to break down those boundaries and not make everything so absolute because Again, something else the prequels taught us uh, to be absolute is to be a Sith. So we need to evolve with it. So I'm rolling with the punches here, guys, and, and I'm as, trying to be open-minded. Well, and as and, and as we discuss, um, you know, this this notion of there being an alternative to Jedi Sith, uh, we you know we have to look at the Force Awakens. You know, we don't know what Snoke is. We we I think we can all assume that he's not a Sith. Um, so clearly Kylo Ren is not learning the ways of the Sith. There's a, there's an alternative view there. And so, you know, it's, it's, it's happening and expanding, you know, beyond just the, the Sith, which, or excuse me, the, um, it's expanding beyond just force users like the Night Sisters and, uh, the Bendu. We're seeing it in the Force Awakens in the form of Snoke. We don't know well, what and, direction and, he's coming from. And it's back to the and, and part of this conversation is about really sort of like understanding that as Star Wars 
was created and was developed. There was lots and lots of ideas and backstory and history there, but we only got the, the surface of it. And as we are now developing new stories, we get to see more and more of these things develop. And maybe what we thought at first was one way, it's now something else. We get to learn and grow as we go. One of the things that was absolutely fabulous about this episode is when they are on the um, when they are going to to get the squadron of the Y wings, and we first get that shot of the Y wings, and we see them in a state of disrepair because they're being dismantled and junked. It's like, oh my gosh, that's exactly how they were being used in A New Hope. Now we know there were so many people that said. Why do the Y-Wings look so perfect and pristine in the beginning? That's because they were new ships, and they had these coverings, and these designs were made. And that now we're getting to see more of the behind-the-scenes and seeing more of the connections. I think it's just absolutely wonderful that we're getting to get these stories, and that's part of what Star Wars really is for me. It's a broad mythology that we don't know everything that we can explore almost infinitely right i almost wish when they arrived there at that uh at that outpost um where the y-wings were being dismantled we actually saw ugnaughts taking some of the coverings off of a y-wing just to kind of further illustrate that and <laughs> right. really you know draw that connection to the y-wings from the clone wars era compared to the y-wings of now the rebels era but even greater though the fact that they made the connection to the Battle of Yavin by saying that these Y-Wings were going to get delivered to General Dodonna seals right. the deal. We are seeing the same Y-Wings. We see Gold Squadron fly down the Death Star Trench in the Battle of Yavin. So that, to me, just really enriches this whole story a thousand percent. And only Star Wars can bring out those fist-pump moments when it comes to inanimate objects being portrayed on the scene you know i mean we see y-wings in their classic state their original trilogy state and it makes us pump our fists in the air i mean yeah. I, I was laughing at myself when i did the fist pump during the force awakens when ray and finn grabbed the gas masks on board the millennium falcon <laughs> i mean i did it for gas masks yeah. only star wars yeah. only right. star wars well fellas i, I but, wonder yeah if, go ahead Spence. I, I wonder if in the battle of yavin if we went through and counted those y wings do you think that there were only 13 or 14 oh, yes I, you know i think you might yeah we should do that we should do that we should go back and count them all now it was generally understood by us original trilogy folk that the y wing was pretty much a precursor to the X-Wing. So will we see X-Wings being acquired by the Rebels in this season or maybe next season? Next season, by the way, season four, which I believe will be the final season. Yeah, I've been thinking about that too. I I, I wonder how long it can really go. And, and in part of my research as I was going over this episode, I started to do um, a little bit of digging back to refresh my memory about Thrawn. 
And, you know, Thrawn has been in the background of all of the Star Wars movies. And so I wonder how they end Rebels as a television show and and where do the characters go in the same way that that expanded universe Thrawn had existed, you know, in a parallel timeline to the movies that he wasn't actually in are our characters from Rebels going to continue in the same way? Are they going to have other stories that may show up in other medium at other times? And and who's going to be in, in uh, Rogue One? That's what I want to know, too. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. And one for Dave Filoni, I'm sure. Um, but, <laughs> well, I mean, w- w- the, the big question I think right now is, which of these Rebels, specifically the crew of the Ghosts, which ones will actually survive? Because it's hard to imagine an original trilogy era going down while Kanan and Ezra are still out there somewhere. You know, I, I wondered that, too. I, I've been thinking a lot about that. And, 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 of course, you know, looking at the path that Ezra seems to be on uh, with the temptation to the dark side and his impatience at you know, his, his growth uh, through the light side and thinking, wow, this is uh, very close to what we see, uh, you know, Anakin's journey. You know, we've been kind of comparing uh, Ezra to Luke in a lot of ways. And now all of a sudden it seems like this is, you know, echoing and mirroring uh, Anakin to an extent. And so, yeah, to your point, Jim, you know, that that saga, the Canaan and Ezra saga still being out there somewhere at the time of Luke, you know, I, you know, some fans might say, well, does that, does that water it down? Does that cheapen it or whatever? But yet now I'm coming around to this idea that it is, it is truly a much larger universe. And yes, uh, galactic events pull Luke center stage, but it doesn't mean that Luke is the only one. It's just, he's the only one that happens to be, the son of the emperor's right hand. So I don't know. I, I still think things are going to work out where Luke is the only one. Uh, well, Ezra, and- Ezra and Kanan will end up in, you know, um, maybe trapped somewhere, maybe not necessarily dead, but maybe trapped. Like I speculated, Ahsoka could be trapped within that Sith temple. Maybe they'll get trapped in something like the Phantom Zone from Superman, the Phantom Menace <laughs> Zone. Yes. And they'll get yes. trapped in that. Well, and, you well, know, fan, he is, he is, is he is, he is, he is a new hope, not the only hope. Right. Well, and here's, and here's something else is that they are definitely setting us up for a, big finale. If we look at the end of this episode, we see that Kanan has has received his sight. He can see again. He has his connection to the Force completed. And and Ezra on his own was struggling and we see that when the decisions that he made led to his downfall. He was literally crashing and burning. And as he was falling down, there was uh, Kanan swooping in to save him. And the visuals on this, the wind is whipping by. There's a light coming from the ghost as Kanan is reaching out to grab Ezra. And the, the wind sort of like is, is building up, building up, and then it quiets. And Kanan says, it's okay. I've got you. Let go. And we hear Yoda's theme swell in the background. The wind calms and he jumps. He makes that leap. So they're totally 
back on track with with the master apprentice and the connection to the force and 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 they're going to crush us aren't they guys guys <laughs> spencer I, lo I love what you're painting you're painting a very pretty picture here and i'm getting warm and fuzzies but you know what you know what this is not what i want i don't want i don't want ezra's struggle with the dark side the attraction of the dark side to be wrapped up in the first episode of the season after i've been thinking about it all during the off season oh it's not I, it, it but it's it's not. seems no, like no, that it not. got all wrapped up in a nice tidy with a nice tidy little bow where he's apologizing to kanan at the end of the episode and you know i mean sure he does ask Where's, Where's the Hulk? The Hulk? Right. Yeah. And I hope he's asking that not just out of curiosity, but like hey, I'm gonna you've go known a junkie again. before. It's always exactly. apologies. I'll never do it again. I feel now, listen, so I bad. haven't known any I haven't known any junkies, okay? I don't live in Canton, Ohio. <laughs> okay. No, you just live in the murder capital of the world. It is not the murder capital of the world. There are fewer murders in Cuba. Get your facts straight. <laughs> <laughs> There's more murders on Lothal. Um, but, you know, I just... It, By Ezra Bridger. I am, I'm just yeah. I'm saying, guys, I am hoping that, yes, that is a front that Ezra's putting up to Kanan at the end, and that he truly is not remorseful, that he is truly attracted to the power that he's been able to tap into, that the Sith holocron has given him. No, what, I, not, wait a minute, speak? though. I, I, I don't think that it's that, that he is... Uh, that he's that this is some sort of ruse with Kanan and telling Kanan what he wants to hear. I think he's sincere in the moment, but I think he'll still continue to be attracted by this and continue to be frustrated at the the pace of his training without that juice. And here's another question then. In in the absence, in this time where Kanan has retreated in, into his own sort of like sorrow and his own problems. Do you think that Ezra could have contacted Maul and Maul was giving him some promptings, some information? Because, I mean, can I, we saw that Ezra was able to open up the holocron in season one of uh, Rebels. But, you know, how did he know how to open up the, a Sith holocron? You know, is it just something like we're just using the force and he was using it? But it, where's Maul? Is Maul still there trying to influence him? I believe that because Ezra is raw and untrained to a great degree that his discipline when it comes to usage of the force is is not existent. So he taps into the dark side and he doesn't do it because he you know says I'm going to tap into the dark side. He just doesn't know any better. His usage of the force is not anything that's under his control. At this time. So when he's getting information from the Sith holocron, he doesn't realize what he's doing is wrong. He hears Kane. Sure, he hears Kane and tell him. But like any teenager, he's going to go and do the opposite. And because he's curious and because he is experimenting with these emerging powers. So I don't think it's an act of evil for. Ezra to tap into the Sith holocron and try to extract knowledge from it. I think it's just part of his, his, his journey as a person, you know, he's trying to assume and learn as much as he can about these new powers. He knows very little about and Kanan is absent for six months, not helping him. He's out right. 
you know, uh, being, you know, a pity pot for himself or he's out trying to tap into something bigger. Who knows? You know, I mean, you can j- draw your own uh, assumptions by the way we're introduced to him in this episode outside on his knees, just not being really uh, with it. Um, right. and, and you know what, Jimmy, I think that you have that's a perfect point to make because um, Bendu says something very similar. He says, an object cannot make you good or evil. The temptation and power, that forbidden knowledge, even the desire to do good can lead you down that path. But, you know, it's not the object. So in Ezra's sort of raw form as he is, as he's learning these things, it's just an object to him. It's not an evil object. But it is more than just an object. It is an evil object. And Canaan willfully and irresponsibly handed it over to this force user that he basically knows nothing about. Why would he transfer that level of evil power to a being that he knows can use the force, manipulate the force, and probably do so better than he can? Why turn it over to him? Why was that some sort of vote of confidence? I believe in you, Bendo. You can do better with this than I can. No way, man. He can't do that. It's going to come back and bite him and everyone else in the butt. He should not have turned that holocron over to Bendu. And I am predicting terrible things. Terrible things are going to happen once he's going over there. That's going to wrap up our look at the season three premiere of Star Wars Rebels Steps into Shadow. We'll be back next time to talk about the follow up episode, The Holocrons of Fate. The Holocrons of Fate. Wow, what a great time. Uh, thanks to Kyle Newman, who uh, had to uh, jump off, but we appreciate his time and. Uh, his insights, as always, we certainly uh, have them back here on Declassified in the future. Also, thanks to uh, oh, our ever-steady, rock-solid third wheel, Spencer B. <laughs> Spencer B3. You'd be SP3. That'd be your droid. Your yeah, droid you know handle. me. Yeah. <laughs> and you're down with whatever. SP3. Yeah. yeah. Hey, Spencer, <laughs> those that want to... Uh, Harass you online. Uh, where do they go? I'm on Facebook at Spencer B3. I'm at Twitter and Instagram at Spencer B3. Awesome. All right, man. Well, thank you very much. Uh, and you always bring us a great deal of preparation and research with you. I can tell. Thank you. I can tell. Uh, great to have you back and kicking off a new season. Uh, also, uh, our pal Jimmy Mack. Uh, any final thoughts here as we uh, begin a new season of Rebels? All right, Jason, final thoughts on Steps Into Shadow. What a great way to kick off Season 3. I Very Star Wars-y to pick it up as the action is unfolding. No explanation, throw you right into the middle of the action, and that's what this episode did. Great way to kick off Season 3. We, want, we, we, we watched uh, Hondo get into the action again, fan favorite Hondo, and he brought along a friend, the Ugnot Turba, 
who got smoked at the beginning of the episode. And I thought when that ADTP or ATDP or whatever it's called, when that turned and shot on him, that walker shot on him and he, he blasted up into the air yelling and screaming. I thought, oh, God, what is is this Bullwinkle? But they did confirm his death. So um, oh. so I, I thought that was uh, that was good, you know. Um, I, I thought it was over the top when he landed and he was automatically on a spit and had an apple in his mouth. I thought that was, <laughs> yeah, that was a little too line. Looney Tunes for me. <laughs> you have uh, a Hundo's different... Original, Hundo's original line was, oh, they can fly. Yes, it was. It was. It was. That part about the apple and the spit, though, I, I think Swank has a different cable provider than I do. Um, uh, you know, the holocron, I love seeing Ezra struggle with the holocron and struggle with the lure of the dark side. And I certainly hope he's going to continue down that path because I think it makes him a much more compelling character. And I like to see the struggle. I hope this this isn't all wrapped up with a tiny little bow. Great to see Grandma Tarkin back in action again. Steven Stanton more and more dead on to the exact sound of Peter Cushing in A New Hope. I mean, it is becoming absolutely indistinguishable between Steven's characterization and the real thing itself. Amazing. We also got introduced to Governor Price in the flesh. She uh, definitely uh, is uh, someone that I want to get to know a lot better. Uh, I think she uh, is going to bring a lot to season three. I think she and, looks like uh, that that Russian chick from the uh, the last Indiana Jones movie. Yes, from Indy Four. Yeah. I thought of that immediately, and the uh, internet agrees with us. <laughs> but uh, great to see Tarkin there in that uh, Imperial briefing room of his, uh, albeit with a little bit of a smaller table, but very similar to the environment he was hanging out in during the course of action of A New Hope. Uh, specifically in that Admiral Mahdi scene. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I love to see the familiar environments being brought back. Uh, Kanan's struggle. Um, I, I felt like his relationship with the Bendu may have kind of developed a little bit quickly and abruptly. I'd like to know what the motivation is for the Bendu to help Kanan. And also I'm very interested in this new redefinition of what balance of the force means. I'm going to be watching that very close. I'm so real, real great to see Grand Admiral Thrawn back, uh, or back for the first time. Great to see the White Wings back, and um, great to see Captain Rex again. Um, I'm loving the uh, growth in Ezra's character, and uh, even though he does get knocked down a little bit uh, by Hera at the end of the episode, he definitely does get suspended from his command by her, but um, I don't think that Ezra really belongs as part as I think his character growth is going to be more with the force and not with the rebellion, and I believe his final fate will be from following those actions and his uh, attraction to the dark side, so uh, maybe, you know, maybe not a death for Kanan and Ezra, maybe they're just entrapped. Like I think Ahsoka is trapped in that Sith temple. Maybe they will join her. Who knows how it'll all shake out. I'm really looking forward to season three. Kicking it off in a great way. Even though Puff a Pig was not in this episode. But there was a pig. Oh, not pig. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. Get away from not. the pigs. I know it doesn't count, but that's not a Puff a Pig. Yeah, not serve a pig. Definitely in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> All right, for Rebel Force Radio and Rebels Declassified, we'll see you next time. I'm Jason. 
I'm Jimmy Mack. And remember, the Force will be with you always. <laughs> <laughs>